Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. And I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. And I'm not going to say that this is an emergency pod, although you might feel like it is. We are coming to you live from Capital One Arena after Georgetown loses its season opener 69-60 to to Dartmouth. Real quick before I introduce my guest today, um, freshman Aminu Muhammad, pretty nice debut, 17 points. Uh, the Hoyas trailed at one point by 22. They came all the way back to take a two-point advantage. Dartmouth, much like Colorado did in Georgetown's last game, shot a million threes and they made 16. And Dartmouth just matched every run Georgetown had and led pretty much easily the last eight minutes of the game. I am, of course, joined by the People's Champion fan favorite Marcus Washington from Making the Cut with Mook. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me. I did not prepare. I was not ready. I thought this would just be a Georgetown wins. Let's talk after a couple games. But... Here we are. Oh, and real quick, Timothy Eagle F.A., who we heard on Thursday, was going to get the first shot at starting at center in a post-Q world, was on the bench. We found out afterwards that he has a concussion. Who knows when we'll see him again. Marcus, we got people in the background, but what do you think? <laughs> well, I just think that, again, it was the slow start that really doomed them. It was the poor defense in the first half that also doomed them and they did spend a lot of energy uh, trying to get back into the game eventually taking the lead to let it go but I'm going to tell you that defensively it, it was tough to watch in the first half with Georgetown especially when Dartmouth had played a game so you kind of knew what they were bringing they didn't do anything different today than they did against Boston College when they played earlier in the year and in that first half Maybe Georgetown was slumping off because they wanted to take away the backdoor cuts, but what ended up happening was by slumping off and playing soft, you know, Dartmouth was able to get a lot of uh, two feet in the paint, a lot of penetration and kick, and that played right into their hands. Like A team that loves to shoot the three, you can't allow them to get 38 three-point attempts, nevertheless made 16 16. of them. And And two guys made 12. Two guys made 12. And, you know, Look, I don't want to be a hot take guy. You know, everything that happens now, it's always the best and the worst, whatever. Look, this is a Dartmouth program that, you know, I researched a little bit before the game, and I did it during the game once I saw where the game was going. Okay, they haven't made the NCAA tournament since 1959. Okay, they haven't had a winning record since 1998-99, which was the season where John Thompson stepped down after, I think, 13 games and Craig Reschick took over. This has been a long, long time since they've had a winning record. Okay, and during the game, I looked up, and if I'm wrong, I will apologize and tweet everyone my correction, but I went through all of Ken Palm. That wasn't enough. Then I went college basketball reference. The last time this, and I know people are joking at me, is Georgetown a major program? The answer to that is yes, based on 
where they play, who they are, their budget, their conference affiliation. The last time Dartmouth beat a major team was in some sort of neutral tournament. They beat Texas A&M when they were in the Southwestern Conference in November or December of 1989. Okay. Most people listening to this maybe weren't even born then, okay? This is a long, long time ago. So what I'm trying to say is it's unlikely at the end of the year this will be looked at as, hey, you know what? They lost to Dartmouth, but Dartmouth ended up finishing 200, 150 in Ken Palm, that rankings. That's a really unlikely, you know, um, ending for their season. Now, that being said, who knows? They look pretty good today, right? And I asked, um, I asked Patrick Ewing, and I know you asked him as well. And like I said, going back to the Colorado game where they got lit up, you know, I think they gave up 15 or 16 threes, gave up 16 today. Your coach, you coach high school, you coach AAU, you know, what are they doing wrong and what needs to get fixed with defending the three? Because that's how college basketball is now. You, you know, it was a great equalizer, you know, 1987, and it's been around ever since. And they got to get with it because if you can't defend the threes, you just cannot play in college basketball. And against this team, it has to start with stop, stopping dribble penetration. It wasn't like there was a lot of threes in transition and secondary transition. They were getting a lot of threes running their natural action, which is, for me, which was what was really, really disturbing to me. They were running their natural action. They were able to get two feet in the paint. They were able to penetrate. And what Georgetown really needed to do, and I thought they would do this, was even in the half court, maybe send a double, send a second guy, make get that ball to the high post, get it in the hands of guys that um, – aren't going to take those shots or guys that might not be able to make a play when they initially kept the ball. Instead, they continuously stared at the ball. There was a big play in the second half where Carey gives up another three to Samuels, and it's because Carey's two passes away. He's in help like he's supposed to be, but he's staring at the ball, and they throw a skip pass, and then he can't close out in time to get Samuels off the line or even contest a shot. So a lot of it is those little things, taking penetration away, being sure you're seeing man in the ball, stuff that you tell kids when they're in middle school and high school, but as I tell those middle school and high schoolers, even on the college level, those things are important, and when you don't do those games, you get Dartmouth beating Georgetown. Now, when he just says something, we got to close out better, that sounds simple, but, right. I mean, what do you hear when he's saying that? I'm hearing that those guys are not, again, seeing the man the ball or they're pinched in too far. Early in the first half, I leaned over and told you, you know, it came to a point where Georgetown can't help off the corner. They have to wall off and this is one of the things that one of my pet peeves we live in the era of that three-point shot yeah where the corner three is taken more than any other three from the nba level down it is that corner three so a lot of times you don't want to pinch in especially against a three-point centric team you want to wall off so you want to push them into help walling off to the outside of the lane so a guy like Malcolm Wilson needs to be a half a step outside the lane, and I drive the ball handler. I force him to put him on the floor, and I drive him toward Malcolm Wilson so the guy who's on the corner is not pinching in the help. You cannot pinch in anymore. Back in the 80s, yeah. you could pinch in. Okay. But basketball has changed so much. Even with the high school where I coach at, we don't pinch in off the corners. And when I'm coaching during the summer against some of the teams and the players I have to coach against, we certainly don't pinch in from the corners. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is kind of – it's one thing to say – and we're going to get to Georgetown in a, in a second. Uh, keep on kind of Dartmouth. It's one thing to say, you know, hey – they had a bunch of new players, you know, Clark and Holloway, who are actually returning players on the roster, weren't available. Ego FA, um, you know, wasn't out there. But they had a team of, you know, of Blair, of Belay, of Pickett, 
of you know some of these guys and it looked the exact same against Colorado you know and that's where I think it's a little bit it, you can't simply just say well you know they're just getting you know it's a new group and you got to wait and all this stuff I, I think you know is they're just an actual like you know a structural issue within like the way the philosophy and I know he's not going to say a lot but it's just like look different players same results it's not positive and I think that's that that's where I think it's a bit troubling um Torres Samuels he came in you know he said we expected to win he had 23 points six for ten Brendan Barry whose grandfather Jim Barry was one of maybe the best uh, pre-Thompson player for Georgetown. He last year when Dartmouth didn't play, he played for Temple, so he played. It's not like he sat. A lot of these guys didn't play. And then what I thought was really interesting, and I, you know, in the middle of the game, I turned to you and I said, "Hey, is this guy Cornish? He's local. This name's ringing a bell." And you know, he sticks out. I mean, he looks like look, look. I still play men's league. I play over 35. I'm sure if someone saw me. They're like, "Hey, I don't mind guarding that guy." Look, I'm not gonna lie. If I saw him. I'd be like, I wouldn't mind guarding him, you know? I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm just saying. And Ben Standing actually had a pretty, you know, friend of the pod, Ben, had a tweet and just posted his Dartmouth um, headshot and said, this guy's torching Georgetown. And he had 14 points in 15 minutes. And the coach just in there, this obviously they're his biggest win as a coach, mentioned they never even got to see this kid. They recruited him during COVID. He'd never been to campus until he showed up for the first day when he's already enrolled and on scholarship, um, you know. So, yeah, here we are. It, it's this. Now, getting to Georgetown's side, what do you think of Aminu Muhammad? Those, everyone's excited. They got their first five-star. Um, I would say he did not disappoint. What's your take? I loved what he did today. The first couple of possessions, he did look a little bit nervous. But after that, you, once he got his first shot down, he looked incredibly comfortable out there. In fact, in the second half, I thought um, during one of Dartmouth's big runs, I would have liked to have seen him. He misses a three where he um, takes a step-back three. And it wasn't a step back three that bothered me. It was the fact that when he first caught the ball, he had the open three then, and he hesitated. I'm I'm sure he was looking in the post, trying not to be selfish, but that was one of those times where he was the best offensive Georgetown player that was on the floor, and that shot was there. I wish he had taken it when he first got there, but I love what he did. He had a couple of silly turnovers, but you expect that out of out of a freshman kid who's asked to start five-star, four-star, three-star, it doesn't matter. But what I did like about him was is that I didn't feel like the moment was too big for him. I did sort of feel like the moment was a little bit too big for Jalen Billingsley, yeah. but um, Muhammad, I, I love what he did today and um i mentioned this earlier in a tweet the the big thing about the the top uh, high school players when they first get to college some of their moves that they make in high school those aren't there anymore right and or they're contested and they were never contested in high school because you get to the basket and i thought early on maybe muhammad had a couple that was contested that he didn't expect to because he felt like oh i beat my man off the dribble but then there's a second guy there and that second guy is now like six nine and it's not like a guy who is and like five move, eleven and he can move right yeah and but to me he adjusted so well he's one of those kids that i could see by mid-season in the big east you're like yeah he he was worth the hype today's episode is brought to you by cars.com 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Now, Malcolm Wilson obviously had to start because uh, Timothy EUFA has a concussion. And, you know, coming into the season, he had only played, I think, 12 games. He had scored. I know he made both of his shots. So, you know, he's played very sparingly. You know, he played 38 total minutes. Um, I thought he played okay. But what I was really impressed with was uh, the poise and sort of the smarts of Ryan Matumbo. Um, it does seem like he is 7'2". I know a lot of questions and eyebrows were raised when the heights came out. Like, how did he grow? You know, he grew a couple inches. It certainly seems like it. He's ab- he's just gigantic. His stroke from the free throw line was incredible for a big man. You're just not used to seeing that. And I thought during their comeback, when they went on that big run to take the 50-48 to 48 lead, I thought Ryan was a big part of it. What did you think about Ryan? Yeah, I, in fact, I wish he had gotten more minutes than what he ended up today because I did think in the second half when Ewan kind of stayed with him a little bit longer, he gave this team uh, not only a lift emotionally, but he gave him a lift, lift in the post, you know, uh, back-to-back and one yeah. attempts and stuff like that. He did some really good really good things and I wish he had had more opportunities to do those good things and and ones and you mentioned that and I didn't get a chance to uh okay look I don't care what year it is who's on the roster Georgetown plays Dartmouth they got to take more than nine free throws yes okay I mean like you know you're I mean obviously getting in that big hole probably hurts but they, they came back and you know I know it's a three-point age and it's three point three points but like to take 23 threes and they only got you know six to nine from six for nine from the line. That's got to change. I mean, Muhammad, look, that guy, he's gonna have to start getting the line. And Dante Harris, definitely a very off game from what we saw from him at the end of last season. Where do you see the free throws coming from? You know, I was sort of disappointed that Dante Harris couldn't effectively penetrate all game. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. that that's what contributed to the three to thirteen. I think that uh, Muhammad will eventually start getting to the free throw line more when he stops trying to change his shot in midair to kind of make the circus play and actually start to go through the guy. That will get him to the line more. And I do think they need to throw the ball in the post just a little bit more. And maybe Michael Wilson is not the guy to make those strong moves. But again, um, I would like to see Mutombo get out there because he's a guy I think that will power through and get to the free throw line. So some good stuff. We've been coming here for years. I thought the fans were incredible the students they have georgetown hasn't been doing both sides you know behind both baskets they've been kind of picking usually i think behind the home basket you know they had them filled up on the visitor side really high on the home side it filled in i know there was like a ticket promotion ticket giveaway i think that might have even been free if you you know gave up some marketing information i want to say we had fans sitting in the 400 level at center court the you know the attendance is listed at you know Almost 9,000. I thought it felt like 12 in here. What do you think about the fans? I thought it was as as good as you would think for Georgetown Dartmouth. And it, yeah, they got into it when Georgetown started making the comeback. This place actually got loud for a Georgetown game. I tweeted something just to be a little bit, you know, silly, but it was true. We are at a legitimately exciting, well-attended college basketball game at Capital One Arena, and you can't say that all the time. That, in, you know, in in Big East 2.0, that's just a fact. Yeah. You know, and it was like, wow, this place is nice. Um, 
other people that hadn't been to games because of COVID and stuff were like, wow, is this how it always is? I was like, ah, <laughs> no. I, I said, you know, if this game was playing like Tuesday night, like at 6.30, no. It would not It would not look like this. So hopefully people will come back for the American game. Um, again, I said I didn't want to do hot takes, but I will say this. I think this is this is on this is in the conversation of one of the worst losses in whatever era you want to define. Just because, like I said earlier, Dartmouth is just a program that's they just they just haven't been at the D1 level. I mean, they've been a D1 program, but they haven't mattered in so so long. Um, you had all the fans here, like we just said. You know, it is year five. Ewing asked for patience for the group, but I think there could be patience for the players. But I think the patience for the coach is there's a little something there. You know, I think to be to be fair and reasonable, this is just a bad loss. Um, I looked their last home loss. I'm sorry, the last season opening loss was Radford double overtime. You know, that's definitely a low point. Where do you rank this as far as? you know bad losses it's up there right yeah it it has to be up there especially if you want to talk about in this this modern era but um i think the bigger issue is having to start over in year five there was no carryover from last year even with the ncaa relaxing rules on guys coming back and the whole concept of the super senior um georgetown didn't have that and a piece of me says this a piece of me is happy that ewing did not go and raid the portal again to, to fill in the gaps, and he was going to play these freshmen. But the flip side is is that you should be able to do that and beat Dartmouth. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Yeah, without thinking a lot, I thought, okay, the spread, for those of you playing at home, I think was 15, 16, depending on when you got it. That didn't sound great if you're Georgetown because you literally have – I mean, coming today's starting lineup, only one player had ever scored here, and that was Don Carey for Mount St. Mary's. Yeah. Okay, Harris was a freshman last year. Okay, um, you know Wilson hadn't scored here. Muhammad's, Muhammad's a freshman this year, and Caden Rice was playing for the Citadel, and they didn't come. Th- I mean, that, that, that's how that's how you know unsure of what you have. We were going into this game, but I just thought, I mean, look, muscle memory, just basketball. Like you find a way to just you know eke out over Dartmouth and look, get some film against a different group of guys and say, hey, look, the things I said in practice. Look, look what happens when you play a different team, right? right. This is actually you can kind of get people's attention. You know, I don't know what he's going to make them do tomorrow at 4:30 in the morning. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what certain coaches do. You know, I think of um, you hear those stories about uh, Cheney yeah. and what he would have Temple do and all those kind of things. But if you if you are that kind of a coach, this would probably you know, tomorrow would maybe be that kind of a day. I know you cover American. What can you, before we get out of here, what can you um, let everyone know about what to expect from Maryland? And they've got the Georgetown coaches still, right? So they run the Princeton. They've yes. got Mike Brennan and uh, Scott Greenman, who I became friends with when he was one of the uh, basketball ops guys here. Yeah. So what you're going to expect is it's the same principles. It might not be exactly the same actions, but it's the same principles. They're going to try to get two feet in the paint. They're going to try to kick. The one thing they do have in a Stacey Beckman is a guy that can that's athletic, that can get to the basket, something that Dartmouth did not really have. They didn't have an athletic guy to get to the basket. So there are going to be those things that are a little bit different, which makes um, some of the things that AU do, do different from what Dartmouth does. But the principles and the actions are going to be the same. Um, you're going to see some backdoor cuts. They're going to threaten the backdoor cut to open up the three. You're probably not going to see AU. I'm not going to lie. I like the backdoor cut. <laughs> you're probably going to see AU attempt their share of threes. I don't think it'll be 38. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything if Georgetown cannot keep AU from getting two feet in the paint. And that's what it's always going to be. 
you can't allow them to get two feet in the paint because AU, when they do it, they get stuff down on the blocks and they'll get some kick-out threes. So Georgetown, the things that he needed to address before the Dartmouth game and after the Dartmouth game are going to be things that are going to be the difference between winning and losing against American. Did today's experience without three players that we expect to play? Of course, if they play, who doesn't? But anyway, did what happened today to change your thoughts on what this season would probably be for Georgetown? If those three play, see, I don't know if because we still we still don't know exactly what they might look like given all of the available, right. you know, pieces. But it goes back to what you said earlier: is it the pieces that weren't there, or is it the philosophy? Yeah. Because if it's the philosophy, those three guys not being here is not going to make the difference. Sure. Um, and maybe there's some change. I thought that um, Coach Ewan did talk about. He wanted them to run them off the line. I, I didn't see an effort of people running them off the line. Um, no. But uh, execution seemed to be a problem today, and I don't know if having those three guys would have made a difference. Uh, what would have made a difference is you can't wake up until after halftime. Yeah. Well, you know, it's college basketball. The great thing is you play like 30-some games, and they're going to be back here Tuesday against American. I think it is at 830 yeah, it's either 8.30 or 8.45. It's a late one. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm actually I'm actually okay with that. And then they play Friday in the, uh, against uh, Siena. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough loss. No one wanted it. Uh, the crowd was good. But they get a chance to come right back and make everyone feel better about themselves in just uh, a couple days. Can't wait. At MTC with Mook is where you can find Marcus, and he'll be tweeting about sports all weekend. I can guarantee you that. I'm not going to guarantee a lot of things. I'll guarantee you that. (laughs) I am at Bobby Bancroft, and I want to thank everyone for listening to this not necessarily emergency pod, but an unexpected pod. And I hope that the next pod is less of an unexpected nature and more of a a planned affair. Uh, Subscribe, like, rate us, let me know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, and we will see you soon.